welcome, and thanks for listening to AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk. Today's episode is building a farm succession plan. Here's your host, Laura Hankey. All right. Thanks, Brian. Hey, good morning, Melissa. How are you this morning? Good morning. I'm doing well. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Um, again, thanks for joining us. We're excited to have this conversation here today talking about farm succession planning. So learned a little bit about the um, ag manager there in the video that Brian showed. Talk a little bit about your role within uh, Iowa Extension and Outreach. Sure, sure. Well, I am one of, uh, you know, a, a part of a team, a, far, uh, a farm management team with Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. And uh, as, as mentioned, uh, I am an attorney. Uh, so, I, you know, we work in a, a, a wide variety of areas. Each of us does bring somewhat of a, a portfolio with us. And because of my background as an attorney, I, I work on a lot of legal issues and you know, private practice. I did a lot of farm estate and succession and transition planning, other farm legal issues. But then uh, I, I was mentioning uh, before we got on a year ago right now, we were doing uh, big farm bill education programs on the new farm bill. Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to be doing some of that for the decisions that have to be made this year. Um, we do a lot of work having to do with you know, farmland leasing and communication between farmland owners and producers who are renting the land. Um, and, and we do this, you know, ag decision maker tool. It was, it was good of Brian to run that video because I'm going to be referring to a number of resources that are out there on Ag Decision Maker. And no matter where people are, yeah, it's an uh, Iowa State University website, but uh, whether you're in uh, Kansas or Missouri or, you know, we get inquiries, we get uh, uh, requests for information. I talk to people all over the country, all, all over the United States and, you know, especially in what we like to call farm country. And uh, so, so I, I write articles and, and uh, the reason I'm with you today is because I do a lot of work having to do with uh, farm estate, succession, transition planning. So, you know, how do we keep planning for the future? And as the people in that video talked about, it's in a whole wide variety of areas, but uh, I, I can tell you, I just a, a great deal of my time is, is spent in, in this area, helping people to plan for, you know, what is the future of that farm, and the farm family business operation. So that's what I do. Exactly. So when I reached out here a couple of months ago to um, invite you on as a guest, I, I positioned that as, you know, would you join us to talk to farmers who are thinking about retiring in 2021? And you said, hey, wait a second. If you're thinking about retiring in 2021, you're already way behind the game um, if you don't have a plan in place. So a lot of what you're going to talk about here this morning is all of the steps that you need to put in place before retirement. Um, Right. So you have this great presentation prepared here for us this morning. So I'm just going to sit back and and uh, let you manage everything here. Brian and I talked before. We're ready for Christmas break. We're ready to hand the reins over to you here this morning, Melissa. Um, <laughs> and all I'll right. ask questions as they come in. So please with that, do. let's go ahead and get in. All right. Yeah, yeah, please do. And uh, and I, I hope that uh, I understand that when, when this is over, that Brian will post some video and and you can see on, on the 
the first slide there that's in front of us. Um, you got my contact information. Email is oftentimes the best way to contact me. Um, uh, and, and so if, if anybody wants to talk, have a follow-up question or say, where can I get more information? Uh, please feel free to get in touch and, and uh, uh, let me know what, I, what we can do for you. Um, now, what I am seeing is, okay, so, so here's what happened, Laura. I uh, remember I was sharing and then I stopped sharing and now I'm sharing Correct. again. And for whatever reason, as I try to, ah, there, now I'm advancing. So we seem to be working all right. There so we go. you Let's already saw. Okay, you did already see that um, uh, this is what the Ag Decision Maker page looks like. And I'm just putting these slides up here just to show people that's what the uh, website looks like. Um, this is what the homepage is. You can sign up for a free newsletter. All of this stuff is free to use. So um, things that I'm going to be referring to, uh, you can just Google Ag Decision Maker. It'll get you to the website and uh, you'd be able to find these resources. You see there's a submenu. Much of what we're talking about today is in what's called this whole farm session or section. You'd, you'd click on that. Uh, you'd come to another submenu and there's a section called transition and estate planning. So again, many of those resources that I will mention today, you'd be able to find them there. And this is specific to Iowa, the conversation that we're having here this morning, but these resources are available through extension in every state. I think I misspoke and mentioned Ag Manager, which is our Kansas resource that, right. that mirrors what the decision maker offers there in Iowa. So we'll throw some links up at the end as well, guys, for um, state resources. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, you'll, you'll see me say at the, at, at the end, you know, please get in touch with your state extension service, again, wherever you are, be it Kansas, Missouri, um, wherever you might be, get contact and see if they have some resources there. Again, many of the resources that I'm showing you are, are applicable wherever you are. There are always some things maybe having to do with some tax laws or something like that that are specific to a state, but much of this information is uh, applicable to all of our friends in farming, no matter what state you're in, in the United States. So what I did, Laura, to, to, keep, uh, to keep within our time frame today is, is try to narrow down to five, five things, five, five fundamentals, as it says. Uh, as you know, I do half day and full day programs on this topic and I consult with people. But for today, I said, okay, I'm going to trying to make it just five points. So you see them there. We're going to talk about the idea of, of uh, the importance of establishing your vision, goals, and communication. We'll talk about that concept of fair versus equal among our, our heirs, our on-farm heirs and on-farm heirs, off-farm heirs. I'm going to talk about the idea of taking inventory of what your assets are, uh, doing some number crunching, uh, I am going to mention the concept of what we call substitute decision-making and powers of attorney, because that's so important in our lifetime, and the idea of building your professional team. Um, those, are, those are the five fundamentals. So that, that's kind of what I'm going to do. And again, you hop in anytime you have a question, a comment, or if you see something coming in on, uh, on the chat. 
So fundamental number one, I tell people, establish a vision for the future, set your goals and communicate, put those important pieces together. As an attorney, uh, 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 there's something I've seen over the years. So, and again, these, these things all come from, you know, the work I've done over the decades. People will come in to talk to an attorney, talk to their professional team members, or talk to me as a, as a farm management specialist with extension and say, well, I, I need a, a, some kind of transition plan for the future. What should I do? And, and I have to say, stop, step back and say, let's paint a picture. What does the future look like in your mind? What do you want to see happen? Who is your family? What are their interests? What are they doing? And we start having that conversation, painting that picture, establishing the vision and um, moving forward. So, uh, you know, we say to people, what's your destination? I, I talk oftentimes uh, about where I am and I'm housed up in Northeast Iowa. If I'm taking a trip to Des Moines or Ames or something, um, I might know my destination. That's good. That's a good start. Because uh, if you don't know where you're headed, any any road will get you there. But I, I also know that if I'm driving to, to Des Moines, there are a number of different routes. Some of them aren't very good routes. And but there are probably a number, several routes that would that would get me there in a good way. And there are advantages and disadvantages to going different different ways. But at least I know where I'm going. And then I can think about what might be the best steps to get where I want to go. And the same is true for the future of your farm and your farm family business. That at least if you have an idea of what your vision is, uh, where it is you, you want things to be, be it you know five or 10 years from now or a generation from now, then we can start talking about what are the tools that might be the tools in your toolbox as far as that goes. So that vision is, is the broad look, you know, uh, for a farm retirement, your farm transition. It's describing where that, that farm family business is going. And then the goals are, what turns do you take? Well, what stops do you make along the way? Uh, what are the steps to get to where you see that vision being for your farm and your, your farm family business? And then I mentioned communication as part of this. Uh, there should be no secrets in your estate or transition planning that everybody should know what's going on. Um, this is one of the top complaints that I hear from people, especially those incoming generations. They say, um, I'm my parents or be it grandparents. Uh, they, don't, they don't talk about it. They, they give sort of this vague, you know, uh, oh, someday this will all be yours. Uh, but that doesn't assure me and I just don't know what's going on. So I say communicate, communicate, discuss early and often. Uh, think, you know, find out where people are at in their lives, uh, what they want to do um, and what's important to them. What are their values? And the more you have these conversations and say, where do we see this farm going? Uh, then, then we, again, have a better idea of what tools to use. And so really that involves family meetings. Uh, you and I were talking before we got started about uh, these virtual get togethers. And uh, so whether you're doing your family meetings in person or virtually, 
as we do things more this way nowadays, set regular times, commit those things to your calendar, uh, write it down and make that commitment because this really is important. And then have agendas. What are we going to talk about? And when we say, you know, we're going to have meetings, well, decide. Uh, you know, I have farm families who have a, a meeting every month. It's the second Monday of every month. And they have a commitment to that. And people have it on their calendar and they're there. And then, okay, agendas. What are we going to talk about? Are we expanding part of the operation? Are we phasing out some part of a, a livestock operation or something? Are we, do we want to rent more land or is there land that, there, that we are renting that isn't profitable and we need to scale back and let that piece go? Um, but again, the idea of that, that we're going to have some kind of an agenda. And then this bullet that just came up about, for, you know, meeting facilitation. Sometimes, especially when you're getting started having farm family meetings, it's good to have somebody who's an outsider to help you get going and conduct it in a business-like manner. And the other thing that we see, and I say in about 90, 95% of farm families, there is an issue or more issues. Uh, something that people maybe have hard feelings about. Uh, maybe there are some jealousies. Maybe, you know, there was some incident years ago. And, and so people, uh, you know, feel like, um, you know, they, they just don't have those warm, all the warm, fuzzy feelings in their family. And what happens oftentimes is people think, oh, that's just us and nobody else's family is like this. Well, you know, in my experience, it's more common than not that people have, people in families have some kind of a, a, a grudge, an issue, a jealousy, uh, some incident, something that's festering back there. And a facilitator, and it could be somebody from your area extension office. It could be some other kind of professional, a mediator, a counselor, uh, a spiritual professional, something like that, who can say, we're, we're going to help direct this conversation and make sure that everybody takes turns and listens and expresses their thoughts. And this is how you get things, these things out on the table. I have, you know, fortunately had, had the honor of helping families to work through what have been maybe some decades old hard feelings. And you'd be surprised that families can heal and families can move through those things and then start looking to the future without dragging old baggage along with them. So, so um, Melissa, before we move yeah. on, you had mentioned um, rented ground. And I think that's an important point. We know that we have a lot of acres that are owned by absentee landowners. How important is it to include those folks in some of these meetings to make sure that they're aware of what your transition plan is? Oh, absolutely. And, and again, that's part of the whole communication picture. And when you say absentee landowners, what we know is that some of those might be immediate family members. Uh, you know, maybe there were, at some point, there were five kids and mom and dad or now grandma and grandpa, whoever, they died. Maybe that land was passed on to these five children in some kinds of shares. Some, maybe there's one or two that are farming and the others aren't. They're off somewhere else. Those people need to be included. And the more they are included, the more they feel like part of the farm operation. Uh, the more they understand what's important on the farm. Uh, and the thing that you don't want to have happen 
is if if you're the operator and that piece of rented ground is an important part of your farm operation, you don't want somebody to, who, who has felt maybe excluded or left out to suddenly say, well, you know what, I'd rather have the cash. I'm just going to sell that piece. You know, maybe I'm going to put it up for auction, whatever. And that's what happens when people don't feel part of the operation. So again, this is the great thing about these, these remote meeting opportunities. Uh, you know, we, we just weren't used to this until this year. It's one of the good things coming out of this year uh, that we can say whether we're in uh, Denver or Des Moines or Chicago or whatever, we can join in on a regular basis and at least find out what's going on. And, you know, we do have a publication on Ag Decision Maker that talks about farm newsletters and how to establish a farm newsletter. Well, that term newsletter, yeah, it could be something in writing. It could be an email, but it could be a Facebook page. It could be, a, a, you know, a family podcast, the webinar, the Zoom meeting, whatever. The whole idea is let's communicate. So mm-hmm. you do want to include those um those people who are who are remote, who are the absentee landowners, and even if they are non-family members, uh, somebody that you're you're renting from. I mean, I can I can tell you stories. I had a lady out in Denver who who owns some land in Iowa, and she loves that. And she calls him her farmer, my farmer. Uh, she just loves that he. They are friends on Facebook, and he is posting pictures and things that are going on on the farm all year round and she feels like she's part of that operation she knows what's going on on her land absolutely well for the sake of time here this morning let's move on to fair versus equal and the importance of that conversation excuse me okay so anyway i just have some things that i mentioned here that i i really have in our conversation set saying these these family meetings a lot of benefits you're just starting to all be rowing in the same direction, sharing information, uh, start doing this, you will be glad that you did. Uh, you know, record some agreements, take some minutes. Uh, they can be handwritten, but you're building a family history and unity. and It's just a great way to go. Uh, if we're doing some estate planning, and I, and I hope we are, don't wait until somebody dies to, to find out what's in the will or what's in that estate plan. I tell people, if you have a will, a trust document, give it, give a copy of it to everybody who's going to need to know what's in there. There's, there shouldn't be any secrets. Just get that out there. And that way, if anybody has any questions, you're doing that during your lifetime and you are not setting yourself up to have a legacy of, of hard feelings. So fundamental number two, as you said, fair versus equal, fairness, it's so important. People in families oftentimes think, oh, well, if we've got five kids or six kids or three kids or whatever, we have to treat everybody equally. We have to divide everything up equally. Um, think more about what's fair. And that depends a lot of times on who, who are your you know, on-farm heirs, people who are perhaps going on and, and operating that farm operation, and those who have moved on to some other life choices uh, that oftentimes... If you've got that kind of situation, that trying to divide everything up equally might be the most unfair thing you can do. Uh, there are many different kinds of assets in the family. 
uh, cash and non-cash assets, land and implements and livestock and things like that. And you need to think about, uh, families need to think about and talk about if you want this farm operation to be continuing into the next and subsequent generations, how are you going to do that? And oftentimes dividing those assets up in some little equal pieces of pie um, is going to be a, a way to make that farm operation fail in the future. I like to remind farm families uh, that most people in America don't inherit anything. And farm families are oftentimes surprised to hear that. They think, well, everybody has an inheritance. No, they don't. 80% of Americans inherit nothing. And so the other 20%, which includes a lot of farm families, there's those assets. And really, though, the median amount of inheritance is pretty small among the 20% of Americans that do inherit something. But so, so just remember that in that whole idea of fair versus equal, if you're in a family where people are inheriting something, you're among the lucky few. So keep that in mind. Do you know, go ahead. Melissa, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for a second. When go we ahead. did our run through there on Wednesday, you talked a lot about sweat equity and not overlooking sweat equity, that it was an important equity to have in any farming operation. Um, and so when you're talking about the, the value of fair versus equal, you know, equal can come from sweat equity as well. Absolutely. Um, and there are ways to do that. If you have questions about that, let me know. There, there's just some different examples to think about how many what has the net worth been of a farm over a period of years? Has, has somebody been there for years, for maybe decades, working in that farm operations? And so that you can evaluate the contributions that they have made over those years. And as this slide says, don't be dangling those carrots out there and the someday this will all be yours kind of a carrot. Um, that, that does not make people feel confident in their future. And sometimes I have sadly seen, uh, you know, potential farm heirs who were involved say, I can't take the uncertainty anymore. I'm walking away and I'm doing something else. And that's not what you want to have happen either. So sweat equity, what of those the value of the contributions been over the years? Um, and, and again, thinking about what's fair. So that really does move into that fundamental number three, taking inventory and crunching numbers. And uh, so take that inventory of what are all the assets that you own that are part of the farm, of course, what's the real property? What do you own? How do you own it? Do you own property? Do people own it individually? Is it in joint tenancy, tenancy in common? Is there a life estate? Is it in a trust? What is it? But that, and that's part of taking, taking that inventory and, and then you start crunching the numbers, what's it worth? And then you look at all those other personal property items. You know, real estate is one thing, but the tangible and intangible personal property, some of those being, um, you know, actual farm assets, the cattle, the, um, the implements, but then there are toys and other personal property items. And then there's all those, those financial assets, which might be bank accounts, CDs, stocks, bonds, investment accounts, things like that. So, Take a look at those things and um, say, what's it worth? How do we own it? Uh, if if you're in a situation where some of those intangible assets, the bank account type of investment assets, uh, I, I see situations where there are family members who are deciding to put somebody on as a joint owner. That can be a strategy depending on the goals, the vision. Again, 
but there can be implications of that if somebody is a caregiver. So you have to think about, again, what do you want to have happen to that financial asset at death or something like that? And maybe having somebody as a joint owner, that might be a good strategy. If that's not your goal, if that's not part of the vision, then maybe there's a better strategy to do that. So that's all part of taking inventory, crunching numbers, good resource for anybody, an ag decision maker about how do we own property forms of property ownership. But make sure you can answer those questions. How do you own the real estate? How do you own all those different financial assets? Is there life insurance out there? And is that a tool in the toolbox that you need to think about as part of how we might do some equalization or some fairness in the distribution of assets? Do we have any pensions or other investments out there? Are there beneficiaries? Um, and then think about tangible personal property because some of the biggest fights I've seen in families are over an item of personal property that isn't worth much monetary wise, but people have a lot of sentimental attachment and we start having family fights over things like that. I say to people, boy, if there is an item of personal property that you want somebody to have, Give it to them in your lifetime if you don't need it now. Have the joy of giving. Have them have the joy of receiving it. I once had two brothers fighting over an old hammer and not speaking to each other because that had been grandpa's hammer and dad's hammer. And now they were fighting over the hammer. So don't don't have that happen. You can do better. You can do better. So, so take the inventory, crunch the numbers. All right. Ah, yes. And I mentioned this, life insurance. Uh, that can be a liquidity tool at the time of death or sometime. And uh, uh, say, is, is life insurance a tool in the toolbox that might help you in that, in that plan and in that vision that you have? This is a quick one, really, but I, I've seen so many problems arise with fundamental number four is people during their lifetime not having plans in place for if they become disabled or incapacitated they don't have substitute decision-making, powers of attorney, healthcare directives. Uh, so ask that question. What happens when you can't speak for yourself and make your own decisions? Do you have documents in place of who can step into your shoes and make those decisions? And you have to have kind of a first choice. And if they're not available, you need to have a second choice and maybe a third choice. So powers of attorney for your financial and business matters. You can have powers of attorney for medical and healthcare decisions. And then that living will directive where you express what are your wishes for, you know, if you're getting to, you know, end of life care, um, you know, losing capacity, how much care do you want? And, and you should express those. Melissa, we did have a couple of questions coming sure. here. Um, the first question asks, how important is it to find an attorney that specializes in agriculture? Oh, that's a great question. And I, and I am going to talk about that a little bit more uh, about how to find an attorney and a resource that we have. But um, what, what I will say right now is it, it does help to find somebody who understands family farm businesses, who has some experience in that. Um, and I, I would, I encourage people to start with the current professionals that you have. As I said, you know, we'll talk about professional team building, but start with the professionals you currently have who might need tax or insurance or something like that and ask them, who do you know? 
who do you, what, what attorneys do you know that maybe do some work with farm and ranch families? And uh, that's going to be a really good way to start. And it is, it is helpful um, to have that rather than just going to the big, big city. So, yeah. Great. So second question here. Sorry, we had two come in at the same time. So I've worked with my tax preparer to set up documents in the past. Are those all legal and binding? And is there a downside to doing that? Well, again, your tax professional, if they, um, and, and again, depending on what state they're in, but in terms of powers of attorney and substitute decision making, they could do, they could help you probably have a power of attorney that would allow them to talk to somebody else. But you want to make sure that you actually have had an attorney look at those and make sure that those substitute decision-making documents, uh, what should I say, that they comply with the laws of your state. Again, whatever state you're in. Because each state might have some little tweak, some little difference and you just want to make sure that they're right. Um, I, I will say, uh, let's just move on to fundamental number five, that building your team, because that's what these two questions are about, building your team of local professionals to support your process. I'll, I'll tell you that there are, and again, we maybe not, aren't going to see them quite as much as we did, but you know, a lot of times we go to a, sort of a farm show. And you know, you're walking down, there's booths and people selling implements and seed and all kinds of things that you might use in your farm or ranch operation. And sometimes you see these booths of organizations that are saying, well, we do farm succession planning. Well, but that's fine. And I'm not saying anything bad about any of those people, but I like to encourage people to build a local team in your town, in your region. You Again, we all have to file income taxes every year. So almost everybody has a tax professional. But who else do you need to have? Who else should be on that team? So that's kind of a good starting list. You need to have a legal professional that says on there, tax accounting professional, financial planning professional. You have a banking professional, insurance, real estate, and so on. But the number one area that here today, you already gave me a question or it's like, what about that attorney? How do I find that attorney? The number one question I get and the number one gap that I see is people say, well, they don't, they don't have an attorney. Yeah, maybe they did a will sometime 20 years ago, maybe when they first got married or something. But right now today, and, and those of you that are watching this or listening to this, say, if you had a, a legal question today, Do you have an attorney that you could pick up the phone or email, uh, you know, pick up the phone and call them and say, hi, this is Mary, this is Fred, and uh, I've got a question. And they would know who you are, that they would know you, know your family, know what's going on in your farm operation. Because the time to find an attorney is not when you have a problem. It's just like your tax, your banker, and so on, your insurance agents, You have those people, they know who you are. Why don't you have a lawyer? So that when you have a question, a problem, it's not suddenly an emergency. Somebody's sick or somebody died or there was an injury on the farm or something. You need to build that relationship. So 
there's an article on Ag Decision Maker that's good for any any place, wherever you are, how to find an estate planning or just an ag attorney, how to find an attorney that you can build a relationship with. And I already you know, talked. Go ahead. Melissa, I think that there's a lot of stigma around the costs associated with working with an attorney. And a lot of farmers don't think that they're big enough that they need an attorney. Um, talk about how some of those costs are really justifiable and maybe not as much as they think. Oh, absolutely not as much as, as you think. Um, it, going back to the substitute decision making, if you don't have up to date powers of attorney and healthcare directives, see, that is one of the great things that you can go to find a local attorney and say, this is maybe I'm thinking about doing some estate planning, but you know what I need right now? I need some powers of attorney. And you're going to find that that's probably going to be for a couple to do powers of attorney, healthcare directive. That's going to be under $250, depending on the attorney. It might be under $200 or $150 to get those documents done for you so that you have that in place. And you know what you do when you do that is now you have started a relationship with that attorney. And just like you meet with your tax professional every year, in fact, I'm going to wager that for you to have a one-hour meeting with an attorney, a local attorney each year, and say, Here's what's going on on our farm with our family, our health, our wealth, our, you know, that's going to not cost you any more than that, than that tax appointment. And very likely it's going to cost you less just to have that one hour meeting so that you've got somebody who knows you, who knows your family, who knows your operation, and you've got somebody that you can go to when you have those questions. And boy, again, you, you tell me how big do you have to be when somebody, when there's an accident, an injury, somebody's health goes south, when you've got a legal question, um, what is that worth to have somebody that you can pick up the phone or email and say, I've got a situation here because as I, I say it over and over again, the time to try to find an attorney isn't when you have a problem. It's when you don't have a problem. And you just need some ongoing legal advice, somebody in your corner who knows your situation. So, Right. And it sounds so. like that would give you an opportunity to pick out someone who really fit with your goals and your organization rather than, you know, trying to make a, a decision on the fly in, in a moment of crisis. Right. In a moment of crisis, um, you don't want to be just finding someone, anyone who might happen to be available. Uh, and, and again, when you have that moment of crisis, there's a lot of attorneys, you know, attorneys can tend to be busy. And if they don't know you and they've got their clients that they're taking care of, they're going to say, well, you know, maybe I could talk to you and we could make an appointment. And I could see in a couple weeks. And when you've got a problem, you don't want to see somebody in a couple of weeks. You'd like somebody to answer your question now. So build that relationship now. You know, there's a there's a way that I that I talk about this. And actually. If you want to, you can go and we have a YouTube channel and, and you can watch me for five minutes talk about how to find an attorney. But here's how I talk about it, Lauren. Um, if I'm going to have a kitchen remodeling job done, um, it, an idea is that before I just bring in that, that plumber that I don't know, I might say, you know what, I got a leaky faucet in, in the bathroom. I, I, and, and maybe get a plumber to come and fix that and see how you work with them. See if they're, you know, reliable and responsible and can you talk to them? And do they get the, job, the simple job done? And so really in a lot of ways, they say, 
you know, if you don't have an attorney at all, but you could use Stan to have your your powers of attorney updated, have them do that little simple job first. Have that attorney do that small job and see, see how you like working with them. See if they're the kind of person you feel like you can have that conversation with and they know something about farming. That's the time to do that. And then you can say, well, now, you know, I got a big job. I have that kitchen remodel job. I, I need to do some estate and transition plan. I need a new will. Or maybe I, maybe would it make sense for me to have a trust? Or should we form an LLC? And I'll tell you, everybody does not need a trust. Everybody doesn't need an LLC. Uh, but, you know, everybody doesn't need at least a basic will, depending on what your vision and your goals are. Um, but you have them do that simple job first. And you start to get acquainted and you, you learn how, what kind of person they are and if you can rely on them. And that's how you build that relationship. So, absolutely. Um, so, any, so, anyway, had any more questions come in? Yeah. So, I actually had one that we had talked about, and I knew that we were going to get about planning for inheritance tax. Um, you've got a great story um, that, that falls right in line with this. So the question was, how far out do I need to start planning to account for inheritance tax for my heirs? Right, right. Well, and, and I think the story that I had told you about was, uh, it, it, this goes to several points. And one of the points is um, building, building the relationship with your local professionals. Here, here's what, what ha happened. Um, first of all, everybody should know that in terms of federal estate tax, uh, there are very, very few people in America that pay any federal estate tax. And the reason is because each person in America right now in 2020 can pass on $11.58 million. So, you know, we're pushing up to $12 million. Each individual can pass that on whoever they want to, family, non-family, whoever they want, and there will be no federal estate tax. You have to get over that. And so if you're a, you know, if you own a lot of land and you're worth, again, I'm going to say $12 million or more, um, then you should be getting advice from somebody on how to reduce the size of your state so you don't have a state tax, federal estate tax. Otherwise you don't. Now, check your state and see if you have inheritance tax in your state, which again, isn't going to be too much. But um, the story that I, I think I told you was uh, one of my, my programs. And the great thing about going to your university extension programs is we have nothing to sell you. We're just giving you research-based information. Uh, I had a couple that came up to me at one of the breaks and said, yeah, they had uh, gotten connected with with a succession planning outfit. It was from being at a farm show. And uh, they said, uh, and, and so we had this whole trust and everything put together and they've guaranteed us that we'll never have to pay any federal estate tax. And I can tell you that in Iowa, there is no Iowa inheritance tax if you are passing directly on to your lineal descendants, kids, grandkids, and so on. And I said, oh, well, well that, that's great. Um, and I talked to them a little bit and said, you know, kind of how much land did they own or so on. And, and so I figured out they were worth about $3 million. But they were very happy. They had this plan put together that guaranteed them they'll never have to pay any federal estate tax. The chances of them ever having to pay any federal estate tax were, you know, slim and none. Uh, but I, and I said, if you don't mind me asking, what did this succession plan cost you? 
And they told me it cost them $19,000 to have that put together. Well, it gave them a lot of peace of mind and that cost them $19,000. But I can tell you that their local attorney could have done that for a fraction of the cost. And the fact of the matter is they were in absolutely no danger of ever having to pay any federal and state tax anyway. So get informed, talk to your local attorneys about that. And, and that's part of taking the inventory and crunching the numbers and saying, what are we worth and what do we want to have happen? If, if those people had talked to a local attorney, they would have said, well, you're in no danger of having to pay any federal estate tax or Iowa inheritance tax. And you got to check your own state. But um, and that's a question they, that they, they could have even had answered for... with your. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you there. That's, so that's a question that they could have even had answered with their local extension agent, right? I mean, it Absolutely. could have potentially not cost them a dime. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just on a, um, uh, sat in on an extension webinar yesterday from Minnesota. Minnesota has some uh, state uh, inheritance tax. Again, it isn't that much, but it is something, and it's something that, you know, people need to plan for if they're passing mm -hmm. on some farmland. But, you know, theirs is about $5 million. Uh, you can pass up to $5 million in Minnesota without having any state inheritance tax. So, yeah, talk to your local extension professionals. You know, they've got people who can answer these basic questions for you. But then, again, your local tax professionals, your legal professionals, um, your insurance professionals, a lot of they can answer these basic questions. Uh, if, if you are that large of a, of a farm operation that you're bumping into those ranges where there might be some federal estate tax issues in the future, you know, this means, you know, at these levels now that a couple can pass $24 million on with no federal estate tax. That's a lot. That's a lot of assets. That's a lot of land. Um, and, and maybe there's some folks out there that they know who they are. If you're falling into that range, then absolutely you need to be doing some other kinds of planning and saying, what can I do in my lifetime to reduce the size of my possible taxable estate? So it's never, again, these, these steps that I've said about like taking inventory, crunching numbers, building the professional team. If the question was, you know, how early should I be doing this? Anytime. Um, you you want to educate yourself. Right. Just like what you're doing on the farm, nothing about this is hands off. Right. There's no right. cookie cutter mold for a successful succession plan, I think, is, is what we've learned from the conversation here today. That's right. That's right. So, yeah, there is not um, not not just one way to do it. And that's why. Again, over the years where I'd have people, again, either in private practice as an attorney or in my work in front of management or extension, they just say, well, what would be a good succession plan for me or transition plan? And I said, well, let's step back and say, let's talk about your farm, your family, how do we paint that picture for the future? And then uh, that's what your professionals could do is put together that, that roadmap of how to proceed. So, so anyway, I just I'll summarize with a few things. So we, you know, we talked about those five basic fundamentals. I want you to go back and look look at them. But but one of the big problems I've seen over the years is a lot of procrastination. So stop procrastinating. Start now. Uh, don't say I'm going to think about it a little bit more. Start building that professional team. 
having the family meetings, having the conversations and, and really get moving. And, you know, I say, you, you, you don't let your farm start looking like that, do you? Um, you don't let things get run down, get beyond repair. So, so get up, get going, get moving, uh, stop putting it off. And it, it's not a quick process, but you have to start putting one foot in front of the other. Um, you know, we're a university, we do research, uh, and I'm sure in, in, in Kansas, Missouri, every state, we do research. Who, asking out there, who have you got a farm transfer plan? Do you really have a plan for the future? Majority of farmers don't have that. 60% don't have an updated estate plan. People keep waiting for some kind of a perfect plan. And as you said, there is no cookie cutter plan. It depends on who you are, your family, um, and, and the conversations that you're having. We have a really good tool out there on Ag Decision Maker that anybody can use. It's not just for Iowans. Um, it, it's, a, it's a nice tool. It's a PDF fillable document that you can pull up and start filling in and download it, save it, print it out, whatever works. But it's the kind of tool that starts with you know, those questions of who are we, who's our family, what are our assets, what are our debts? Um, because, you know, there, there's definitely debt out there. And in terms of thinking about what's our plan for the future, what are we going to do about that debt? Are we planning to pass that debt on to somebody else? And um, how, how's that going to work? And again, that's where those um, cash assets or life insurance plans uh, might make a difference as far as that debt goes. So use that tool, the estate planning questionnaire, and get organized. You know, as we approach the end of the year and the new year, a lot of times people have that uh, thought out there is this is a good time of year to get organized. So, hey, if that works for you, do it. Um, have, you know, some kind of a filing system or you know, I am a fan of three ring binders. Because I think when you put different things in three ring binders and maybe you can go to be at uh, Dollar General or Walmart and get sheet protectors, and you start putting those documents in there and label them. And so you might have a three ring binder that is all your insurance information and another one that is, you know, land records and another one that is copies of your powers of attorney and healthcare directives and another one that might have your will or a trust document in it. Um, all those kinds of things, information about who's on your professional team. So when you have those there and they shouldn't be hidden away somewhere where they're accessible to you, accessible to whoever needs to get to them, uh, it's, it's just a, a really nice system. Have a show and tell session. That goes back to communication. People get so frustrated, again, whether somebody dies or somebody has now just become sick, they're incapacitated, and I don't know where your papers are. I don't know where the documents are. I don't have a copy of the power of attorney. Have the show and tell se session and give people copies of those things. Um, it's just all about communication and being organized. And it just makes for so much peace of mind and better family situations. And remember this, we love, there's nothing wrong with for backups of emailing things and saving things in the cloud or having them on there that... Uh, I've got the, that USB drive here um, or the, the CD or whatever, but having things printed out on paper and in a binder or a filing system, it really is most access accessible to the people who need 
to get to those things. So those are just some recommendations as we get here to the end of the year. Get started, get organized, um, stop putting it off. And uh, you will you will move forward and, and uh, accomplish some of these things now in 2021. So... Yeah, absolutely. As we've said, your extension service. Uh, yes, you can contact me, but start with your state extension service. Uh, looking at what they have online and contacting your uh, the, the people that are with, be it, be it Kansas or Missouri or wherever you're at, uh, to, to find out what resources they have. And you might be very surprised at what you find with your local extension professionals and who they might be able to refer you to. All right. Well, great. Thanks for joining us here this morning, Melissa. Certainly a lot to think about heading into 2021. Um, We really appreciate you helping us to round out uh, Coffee Coffee Talk 2020 with a bang um, and for for giving your time here this morning. um, Really appreciated. So, Brian, I think we're ready to hand it back to you. Can we throw up those uh, resources for other states? Great. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us for AGI SureTrack Coffee Talk. Connect with us on the web at agisuretrackcommunity.com.